What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sports Gamble Ramble, SGR 109. We're breaking down NFL Week 18, the last week of the regular season. Man, did it go by fast. Um, We've got a shit ton uh, to break down here as far as final playoff clinching scenarios. I'm going to give you guys the full breakdown. AFC playoff picture, NFC playoff picture. I'm going to let you know who still needs to win their division, who's fighting for seeding, who has nothing to play for, who's already eliminated, who's resting their starters. You know, it's all the important stuff that we need to figure out how to approach Week 18 from a gambling perspective. Uh, hopefully you guys can use some of this information to your advantage. I personally am not going to have much action going this Sunday. I'm still going to pick these spreads for you guys at the end of the episode once we get through our playoff picture uh, conversation. Um, But, you know, a lot of my action this Sunday is going to be tied up in futures that I've got um, finalizing here. Uh, I've got a bunch of, you know, win totals and divisional championship bets that I placed back in July and August that I, I actually need to play out here this Sunday. For example, I've got the Saints over seven and a half wins here. Um, If they win this game against Carolina, they get to eight wins for me. So even though I really like the Saints minus three or three and a half, depending on, you know, what book you're on, I'm not going to bet that. I'm not going to give it out as a pick on my, you know, Instagram page when I give out my Sunday bets, because I basically already have a money line wager on the Saints. So why would I open myself up to more liability? But I'll let you know where my head's at, where my heart's at, where my gut's at this week so that you can make your own decisions and obviously still, you know, stay in tuned um, on Sunday. We'll probably be betting some over-unders. I might mix a few player props in there. Been pretty hot with our anytime interception props lately. So so we'll still have some fun on Sunday, but uh, I don't know how many spreads I'll really have locked in. I'm really just paying attention to the games that are relevant to the playoffs and the games that I have, you know, futures tied up in. So... I'm going to take a quick break here and get my thoughts in order and get ready to jump into the AFC playoff picture here. I want to remind you guys real quick to download BetStamp and use my referral code JOSEPHB. Hit me up on Instagram to get at me about some of the exclusive sign-up bonuses and some of the uh, promotional deals that I might be able to help you guys out with if you're in eligible states. Um, I will be referring to BetStamp throughout the episode, as I always do, because it is the tool that I use to shop around for the best prices on spreads and over on. So with that being said, I will be back in two seconds. We're going to start our AFC playoff picture breakdown. So the story of the week and really one of the biggest stories of the entire NFL season, obviously, was the no contest situation between the Bills and the Bengals on Monday night due to the uh, medical situation with DeMar Hamlin. Um, Obviously, you know, we want to acknowledge DeMar Hamlin's injury and the situation and be sensitive about that. I'm here to talk about football and the impact of the fallout of that game. So that's how we're going to talk about it here. Um, That really shook things up quite a bit in the AFC playoff picture. That really was a pivotal game to the standings as far as um, the AFC North divisional battle between the Bengals and the Ravens, as well as um, the seeding between the top three teams in the conference. That game directly impacted the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals, as well as uh, dousing the Ravens' hopes of being able to win their division. I know they probably weren't going to beat the Bengals this week regardless, but they were in it mathematically um, if the Bengals lose to the Bills on Monday night. So that said, the Bengals de facto win the AFC North on a uh, half game um, 
technicality, I suppose. Uh, and the Ravens are, uh, you know, sent to the wild card realm. They do have a playoff berth locked up. So, like I said, as a result of that game, Bills and Bengals no contest, it actually shifts the Chiefs into the number one seed in the AFC. The Bills were in the driver's seat. If the Bills were able to beat the Bengals, uh, then the Bills would still be the number one seed. But with that no contest, the Chiefs are now 13-3 and with the Bills at 12-3, and the Bengals at 11-4 and as those top three seeds. Um, at four, we'll just run through the whole seeding before we get into tiebreakers and scenarios. At four, we currently have the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're eight and eight, but obviously division winner gets one of those top four seeds. Uh, they have a win and in battle against the Tennessee Titans Saturday that we will talk about. Um, the Jaguars are at five right now, 10 and six. They have a wild card berth clinched. They cannot win their division. Um, they can change seeding. Uh, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, the Ravens, 10-6, and six, they have a berth locked up. Uh, we just talked about them. They cannot win the AFC North. And then uh, the seven seed is up for grabs in the AFC. The Patriots currently hold the tiebreaker 8-8. Eight and eight. Also at 8-8, eight and eight, the Dolphins and Steelers. Um, so those are the teams eligible for the seven seed. And then the Titans we talked about, that's a win and in between the Jaguars. So although the Titans cannot claim a wild card spot, they can still win their division if they're able to pull off the upset in Jacksonville on Saturday. So... Those are the teams that are still in it in the AFC. Everyone else is eliminated. Let's go back to the top and let's break this down in a little bit more detail. The Chiefs will clinch the one seed if they win or the Bills lose. The Chiefs play Saturday. They're nine-point favorites at the Las Vegas Raiders. They're minus 435 on the money line. It's a pretty safe assumption that the Chiefs handle business and get that win, so we're most likely looking at the Chiefs as the one seed here. Now, the Bills still have a shot to get that one seed, but they would need to not only beat the Patriots this Sunday, but they would also need the Chiefs to lose that game in Las Vegas. Um, so they'll need some help. And like I said, that no contest, you know, if they lose to the Bengals, they're, they're out of it for the one seed. But not being able to get the win really fucked them in this situation. So they need some help or else the Chiefs hold on to home field advantage in the first round bye. Um, the Bengals can not get up to the one seed here, um, but they can pass Buffalo for the two seed. The Bengals would need a win and a loss from Buffalo um, to advance uh, to that two seed against the Bills. Now, we'll pause before breaking into the Jaguars and the wild card situation and, and just talk about that real quick. There are a number of scenarios based on who beats who this weekend, what the final seeding is, and then who runs into who in the playoffs, where we could have um, a couple of neutral site games, maybe just one in the AFC Championship. Um, I'm not going to give you every if this, then that scenario in that regard. That's just That would be kind of uh, putting the cart before the horse. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. It will come up later in the playoffs, most likely, um, but... As of right now, we're just going to focus on uh, who's getting into the tournament. And, and like I said, we'll, we'll address that if it comes up on later episodes. But that's just something to be aware of. You guys should definitely 
kind of look into that because it's it's a wild situation the whole logic table you know if kc loses to las vegas and cincinnati wins you know the whole okay then the afc championship is a neutral between the chiefs and the bank you know just it's a pretty wild fucking situation here so um a lot of fun a lot of fun and a lot of chaos down the final stretch here um jaguars i talked about okay they're playing the titans so it's it's very simple here uh the jaguars win they win their division the titans win they win their division the jaguars however and i didn't realize this until you know finalizing my research for this episode they can grab a wild card berth even if they lose to the titans in order for that to happen the jaguars would need to get a loss from the patriots uh losing to the bills the Dolphins need to lose to the Jets, and the Steelers need to lose to the Browns. So if all four teams, the Jaguars, Patriots, Dolphins, and Steelers lose, the Jaguars still hold a tiebreaker over all three of those teams. Uh, the only way that the Titans can get in is by winning that game in Jacksonville. If the Titans lose to the Jaguars, they do not have a path to a wild card spot and they will be eliminated. So the Jaguars, you know, they will need losses from three other teams, but mathematically they can still get into the playoffs even if they lose to the Titans on Saturday. They'll just be scoreboard watching like crazy all day Sunday. And then... We'll talk about the Chargers and the Ravens situation because they're kind of tied together. Um, <clears throat> we have the Chargers at 10 and 6 and the Ravens at 10 and 6. The Chargers are at Denver. They're two and a half point underdogs currently. Ravens are um, at Cincinnati and they're nine point underdogs. The thought is that um, Lamar Jackson is definitely not playing and Tyler Huntley is questionable right now, limited in practice this week. The Ravens might be going to that game with Cincinnati um, starting Anthony Brown, uh, I believe undrafted rookie. If not, he was a day three pick. Um, and Cincinnati still has motivation to play for uh, you know the potential to pass the Bills in seeding. So I think the Bengals will play their starters at least the entire first half. If they get into cruise control position, then maybe they they take their foot off the gas. But I think they'll be motivated to win that game, and I think it would be tough for Baltimore to pull off that upset. Upset as a nine-point dog. The I mean the Bengals are minus three sixty on the money line here, um, with not much depth anywhere uh, specifically on offense right now. So. If the Ravens um, were to win that game, um, they would have the potential to move up to the five seed over the Chargers. The Chargers would then need to beat the Broncos in order to hold on to the five seed if the Ravens could beat the Bengals. However, if the Ravens do not beat the Bengals, then the Chargers do not need to win to hold on to the five spot. They are locked into that five spot. The five spot is a massive deal in the AFC because that is going to be the best wildcard team getting to play in the first round against the worst divisional opponent. We're talking about an opportunity to play a playoff game against either the Jaguars or the Titans versus the sixth seed most likely having to travel to Cincinnati or possibly Buffalo. Would you rather play against the Bills, the Bengals, or the Jaguars or Titans. It's a pretty obvious choice here. So the Ravens and the Chargers both really want that five spot. 
the deal is, like I said, if the Ravens lose at one o'clock, then the Chargers have it locked up and they don't need to play their starters at 430. So these are things to look at when you're going through and you're picking at the slate. And you're saying, well, you know, I kind of like the Chargers at Denver. Why are they plus two and a half point underdogs? I think they're underdogs because the books are assuming the Ravens are going to get their shit pushed in by the Bengals. And then the Chargers don't need to play anyone. So, you know, these are the things that you got to pay attention to coming into week 18. Again, the battle for that five seed in the AFC is massive because theoretically, you know, the Chargers, the Chargers will probably be favorites, right? If they, let's say if the Chargers play the Jaguars, because those are how like the math and the favorites right now project things. Jaguars being six and a half point favorites, minus 260 on the money line to Tennessee Saturday night. Um, let's just say in this hypothetical that that's how, I mean, the Chargers will be favored over the Jaguars in that first round. That's huge for a wild card team to be able to get that uh, matchup. Um, like I said, the Bengals and the Ravens play each other this week, and the most likely situation, um, basically if the Bengals win, it essentially locks that up as long as the Bills beat the Patriots, that the Ravens and the Bengals would play each other next week as well. So that's always an awkward element whenever a team uh, in the final week of the regular season could potentially see the same opponent next week. And this is a divisional opponent who they've already seen uh, twice this year, twice every year. So that's just another little nugget that throws a knot into the whole, uh, you know, wild card situation here. Um, as we move past the Chargers and Ravens, uh, those are the two wild cards that are already locked into a berth. We get into the teams that are playing for their lives this week, right? So the Patriots hold the tiebreaker right now. We have three teams that are eight and eight Patriots, Dolphins, and Steelers. Shout out to the Steelers and the fighting Mike Tomlins for getting into the wild card picture once again. And if they win this weekend, but they don't make the playoffs, they still finish over 500, which is just ridiculous. Tomlin keeps that streak alive somehow. Uh, regardless of where the dominoes fall, I'll be hoping for the Steelers to beat the Browns and accomplish that feat. They're minus two and a half point favorites. Um, but like I said, in order to get into the playoffs, the Steelers will need help from the Patriots and the Dolphins. They need both those teams to lose. The Patriots are at Buffalo. They're seven point underdogs and they're plus 260 on the money line. I talked about how the Bills need to win in order to hold down that uh, two seed in the AFC. So that should be, a you know, that'll be a difficult battle for the Patriots. Patriots there is a seven point dog to a Bills team that will probably be playing their starters all game. Um, the Dolphins, on the other hand, eight and eight, they play the New York Jets. It's in Miami. Um, if you ask me, Dolphins kind of have the inside track here because although the Jets have had a decent season, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they're kind of a wild card right now. We don't know how they're going to end the season. Obviously, they have really dropped off as far as momentum and the quarterback position is just every week a fucking guessing game. Um, it looked like Mike White was going to play this week. He's actually been ruled out, and it's going to be Joe Flacco for the Jets. Now, at the same time, the Dolphins aren't healthy at the quarterback position. They don't have Tua. We probably won't see Tua again this year with the whole concussion situation and how closely that's watched by the media these days um, because the NFL is all about PR these days, guys. Anyways, 
Uh, the Dolphins um, will not have Teddy Bridgewater either this week. So Skylar Thompson, seventh round uh, rookie this year, is going to uh, be starting. I, I I know he played against the Jets the first time they played this season. I don't remember if he started or if he had to go in for relief for Bridgewater. But this is the second time that they've been down to Skylar Thompson in a third string situation against the Jets this season. Hopefully he has more success this time. I actually have a future on the Dolphins to finish second to the Bills in that division at plus 200 that I bet during August. That's another one where, like, basically I have the Dolphins plus 200 money line against the Jets this weekend. Um, I talked about the quarterback situation. When the news went from Mike White to Joe Flacco, uh, this line actually, I I saw this line as um, Dolphins plus two when it opened uh, what do we say? Wednesday this week, I think I saw Dolphins plus two. Since then, with the time or with the news of uh, the downgrade from Mike White to Joe Flacco, I'm seeing the Dolphins at minus three, even minus three and a half on some books right now. That's absolutely wild to me. Five and a half point swing over the course of uh, less than a day and a half. Um, big move, and I think it tells you something. I think it tells you where the books are leaning in this one. I guess there's faith that Skylar Thompson pulls this out. Or it's just a massive fade of Flacco at this point in his career. We've seen Flacco have good games even as recently as this season, but we've also seen him look absolutely horrible. It's going to be interesting to see if the Dolphins can get up for this. They're on a five-game losing streak here. Uh, But still, if they get the Bills to beat the Patriots, they control their own destiny here. So that would, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what the Dolphins can do to end this season maybe on a positive note. Um, I guess we'll talk about that more when we do our picks. We're getting a little long-winded here. The Steelers, like I said, they need the Patriots to lose to the Bills. They need the Dolphins to lose to the Jets. And then they need to beat the Browns. The Steelers are minus 2.5. They're minus 140 on the money line. They play Cleveland this week. It's in Pittsburgh. So uh, they need some help there, but still alive. And that's um, it's just kind of what Pittsburgh does every year. They snuck in as a 7th seed last year with this exact same formula. So I don't think the Patriots beat the Bills. I'll just tell you right now, I'd have a tough time picking that upset. And the Dolphins, I mean, look, I'm not going out of my way to bet on Skylar Thompson. I'll say that the line move from plus two to minus three has my eyes and ears perked up a bit. And I would would lean towards the Dolphins being able to handle it. But those are not two crazy, outrageous things to happen. I mean, you need... You need the Bills to beat the Patriots, and then you need Skylar Thompson to like lose a football game for you. And then the Steelers control their own path as well. So very interesting. And like I mentioned, uh, the Titans here, um, they just need to win a football game against the Jaguars. But they will try to do it with Josh Dobbs at quarterback. And, you know, just the offense has been gross all year. The defense has been inconsistent. The defense can shut the run down, but they cannot uh, defend the pass very well. And, um, I know Trevor Lawrence had a really good game against them earlier in this season, so that's that's going to be tough. That's a six-and-a-half-point spread there, but those are the scenarios here. Hope I laid that out for you guys. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. Like I said, I even have a future tied up in the Titans, so, um, I, you know, that one's going to be uh, an emotional kind of hedge for me. I, I placed a parlay of the 49ers, uh, the Bucks and the Titans to all win their divisions um, before the Titans went on this six-game losing streak. So 
Kind of need them to pull one out here, but it'll be difficult to do with uh, the whole Josh Dobbs situation. They need to get a quarterback there in Tennessee. Um, Tannehill injured, done for the year, didn't play well in in his action this year. So um, that's the AFC. You know, we will do our game picks at the end, rapid fire style, but I'm going to uh, move on to the NFC playoff picture here and and get you guys a little bit more of a, a breakdown on what's going on in that conference. The NFC is a little bit more straightforward for us. There's a couple things still in the air. There's some seating that can be uh, moved around a bit, but not nearly as complicated as the AFC with that whole uh, Bills-Bengals no contest situation. Um, In the NFC, we have the Eagles as the one seed. Uh, Every, um, all of the top six teams have clinched playoff uh, berths. There's one spot open and that's the seventh seed, but uh, um, the Eagles are at the one seed. They have not clinched their division yet because the Cowboys are just a game behind. Uh, Then we have the 49ers, Vikings, and Bucks they have all clinched their divisions. Uh, we have the Cowboys at the five seed right now. The Giants are locked into the six seed. They cannot move up or down in seeding. And then the seven seed is still available right now. The Packers are in it at eight and eight. And then we have the Seahawks and Lions competing. Uh, so we'll go back up to the top. The Eagles are 13 and three. Um, they play the New York Giants this week in Philly. They are 14-point favorites, and they're minus 900 on the money line. If the Eagles win this game, they clinch the one seed and the NFC East. Um, they also clinch the one seed if they lose, if they get a loss from the Cowboys, 49ers, and Vikings. So... You know, if they lose, they can technically still get the one seed. But let's not go that route. Let's beat the Giants there. Um, the Eagles also clinched their division uh, with a win or a loss to Dallas. Excuse me, or a loss by Dallas. So, again, if the Eagles were to somehow lose, but Dallas also loses, the Eagles clinch their division. And the 49ers would then have the opportunity to jump Philly in seeding. So when we look at the 49ers situation, already having clinched their division, they can get the one seed if they win against the Cardinals and the Eagles lose to the Giants. <clears throat> These are both 14-point spreads. These are the two biggest spreads of the weekend. Uh, the 49ers are minus 14. They're minus 900 on the money line as well against Arizona. So uh, the Eagles, we need to win to hold them off. Next, we have the Vikings. They are 12-4. and four. Um there are three 12 and four teams right now, the 49ers, Vikings, and Cowboys, all kind of uh, banging around there. Um, <clears throat> the Vikings can actually still move up to the one seed, I believe, if they win and get a loss from both the Eagles and the 49ers. Um, obvious, obviously, they can pass the 49ers as well if they win and the 49ers lose. Mm, that's about it with them. They already have their division locked up and they cannot drop beneath the three seed. They play at Chicago this week. Last I checked, they were minus seven and a half point favorites, minus 310 on the money line. Chicago this week starting Nathan Peterman as Justin Fields uh, will rest up and shut it down for the regular season, the entire season. Um, in the fourth seed, we have the Bucks. They're not moving. Uh, winner of the worst division in football. They're 8-8 eight and eight currently. They play at Atlanta. They're plus 4.5-point underdogs, plus 175 on the money line. It's expected that the Bucks probably don't play their starters. I guess I didn't really touch on that, but um, I mentioned the Eagles, 49ers, and Vikings all have 
uh, final seeding implications to play for. So I expect all those teams to play their starters. Also, Eagles, it's looking like Jalen Hurts is going to play, while the Giants will probably rest their starters. So take all that into consideration. Um, the five seed, the Cowboys are there. They can technically move up to the one seed if they get a win against the Washington football team slash commanders. I almost said the other name. Um, if the Cowboys win against Washington and then they get a loss from the Eagles, 49ers, and Vikings, the Cowboys are actually the one seed and win the NFC East. Uh, Cowboys obviously take that division with a win and an Eagles loss. And then seeding would be dependent on whether the 49ers or Vikings uh, win or lose. Um, the 49ers would have a tiebreaker over the Cowboys, but the Cowboys would have the 49ers or the tiebreak over the Vikings if all three of those teams won. So, in a world where the Eagles lose and the 49ers, Vikings, and Cowboys all win, the one seed would be the 49ers, the two seed would be Dallas, the three seed would remain the Vikings, and the Eagles would go all the way down to the five seed. Like I said, the Giants cannot move. They are stuck at the sixth seed. They're 9-6-1. and one. They're playing at Philly. They're plus 14 underdogs, plus 675 on the money line, and they are expected to rest key contributors like Saquon Barkley and multiple defensive players. I don't know how much Daniel Jones will play or if this will be mostly Tyrod Taylor. We will see, but I think the Vegas line of 14 points here indicates that the Eagles will have most of their starters versus the Giants most likely not having at least some of their starters. Plus, it's in Philly. And then we move on to the teams that are uh, actually trying to grab that last spot there in the uh, in the NFC. <clears throat> right now, the Packers hold the seventh seed with one game remaining. They're eight and eight. They play the Lions uh, Sunday night. The Packers are favored by four and a half, and they're minus two fifteen on the money line. It's in Lambeau. Um, that will be a win and in game for both teams if the Seahawks lose. The Seahawks are 8-8. Eight eight. They play the Rams. They're minus 6-point favorites, minus 260 on the money line. The Seahawks can clinch that 7 seed if the Packers lose to the Lions and the Seahawks beat the Rams. So they need a win and a Packers loss. Um, the Lions, obviously playing the Packers in that Sunday night game, the Lions can get in if they beat the Packers and the Seahawks lose. The Packers get in controlling their own destiny. All they have to do is beat the Lions. But the Lions, that can be a win and in for the Lions if the Seahawks lose to the Rams at 425. So that 8 p.m. kickoff, if Seahawks, if the Seahawks lose to the Rams, that 8 p.m. game is a win and in for both the Packers and the Lions. Um, yeah, the Seahawks get in if they win and the Packers lose to the Lions. So if the Seahawks win, the Lions are eliminated. <clears throat> I think we're all kind of hoping that the Rams can somehow upset the Seahawks so that that is a win and in just because it makes for better TV. It's more fun. And I think a lot of people are rooting for the underdog Lions. How great would it be to see the Lions in the playoffs? Holy shit. That four and a half point spreads very interesting to me. And I think the Lions come out and they're motivated regardless. Like if, if the Seahawks win and the Lions are mathematically out, I don't think this Lions team comes out flat because of it. I think Dan Campbell is is a good enough motivator um, to get them to, you know, just go out and fight one last time this year and put a bow on a really strong, you know, building year 
for the Lions and their and their program and their rebuild. So, like I said, everybody's locked into position for the most part in the top six. Um, the Eagles would need a massive choke job here to uh, hand the division over to the Cowboys. I'm going to take a pause there and knock on some wood. As you guys know, I'm an Eagles fan. I've been waiting for them to clinch this division for two weeks now. Um, they're 13-3, and three and they still haven't clinched their division. It's insane. I actually bet on the Eagles plus 275 to win their division back in May following the NFL draft. And I am still sweating that one out somehow. So um, would love to see that. Like I said, I think, I think Hurts will play this Sunday, and I don't think the Giants will have their full team there. So... Guys, that's my uh, playoff picture breakdown. Hope you found that helpful. I'm going to come back. This episode's going to go long, but we're going to rapid fire these games. I'm just I'm going to pick these hot. Some of these picks might be 20, 30 seconds, but we're going to get through it. We're going to do it together. All right, let's talk about the games themselves. Let's give out some picks. Saturday at 4.30, we get two Saturday games this week. No Thursday night, no Monday night football. Uh, the Chiefs head out to Vegas, plus 9.5, over under 52.5. It's the highest total of the week. Like that from an over standpoint, usually lean into the highest total of the week. Came up a couple points short with Chicago-Detroit last week. But um, the Raiders have zero defense at all right now at this point in the season. The Chiefs, obviously, a high-powered offense. I'll lean into the Chiefs to cover the big number here. We talked about their motivation to win and lock up the one seed. Home field advantage in a first-round bye. I think they take care of business. Raiders, second game starting, Jared Stidham. He played surprisingly well, exceeded my expectations last week. Still threw two interceptions, found a way to lose the game with, uh, you know, uh, the game on the line in overtime there, throwing an interception. Also, um, this is his guy, this guy's second career start. Uh, went to overtime last week. I think it takes a lot for a quarterback to be ready to, like, bounce back and overcome something like that. I lean into the better team. Again, Chiefs win this one. They lock up the one seed, so I think that they handle it pretty easily against a quarterback with almost no experience here. Stidham kept it close last week. Let's see him do it two weeks in a row. I'm going with the Chiefs, minus 9.5 here. Saturday night, 8-15 kickoff. We have the win-and-in matchup here, the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. This one is in Duval, down in Florida. Um, the spread is 6.5. The over-under is 40, last I've seen it. And I am going to pick the Tennessee Titans plus 6.5. I don't know if they can pull off the upset. I hope they can. Like I said, I have a three-leg parlay on divisional winners where I've already hit two of the three legs. Would like the Titans to pull this off. That's where my heart will be. I'm considering a cash out literally as we speak right now, doing ping pong in my head back and forth, cash out, let it ride, cash out, let it ride. We'll see where I end up on it. But uh, Tennessee's getting about 43% of the bets, but 58% of the cash on DraftKings Sportsbook uh, against the spread. I'm also seeing 23%, but 36% of the bets on the uh, money line for the cash plays. So... Um, I'll lean into Mike Vrabel getting points in a must-win game. It's a playoff game for the Titans. I know that Josh Dobbs is starting. He got a start under his belt last week. Looked okay, nothing special, but I think Vrabel will have a game plan ready to go. Uh, had extra time to prepare coming off Thursday night football here. Jacksonville hasn't had to do this before. They haven't played in this big of a spot. They're a younger team, not as experienced. I'm not calling for an upset, but maybe it happens. Um, given out, you know, winner in this situation, gun to my head, Jacksonville wins the game, but I don't think, 
I don't think it's a blowout. Um, I think that Vrabel at least finds a way to keep his team scrappy in a must-win situation and make this one ugly and grimy. Probably low scoring, probably leaning to the under 40 there. Um, but six and a half, too many points lean towards the Titans there despite the gross quarterback situation and really the entire second half just uh, mudslide by Tennessee. We head over to Sunday, 1 o'clock kickoff. We got the Browns at the Steelers. Uh, Steelers are 2.5-point favorite. Saw this line open at 3. You might be able to still catch some threes, open up bet stamp, and I see that there is a 3 still on the market there, but a majority of the books have gone down to 2.5. So, again, another key number to shop around whenever you're talking about those 2.5, 3.5. You want to be on the right side of the hook if you can. Um, 40 and a half is the total here. You know, I'm seeing a bit of a cash split on Cleveland here on DraftKings. I got 47% of the bets, 59% of the money on the spread with the plus two and a half. I'm also seeing their money line getting 48% of the dollars, yet 63%, excuse me, 48% of the bets, 63% of the dollars. So there's some sharp cash coming in on Cleveland. And I guess I get it, you know, late in the season, short um, divisional dogs, AFC North, short dogs, like a lot of it from a system standpoint makes sense. I'm just not betting against Mike Tomlin in this situation. I don't have any futures on the Steelers. Um, I do have a Browns under that already cashed. I guess I'm a, I'm a, I'm a free doggy over here to bet this one if I want. Really no implications on my back end, I might talk myself into the Steelers despite where that sharp cash is headed. I just think at the end of the day, Tomlin wins games that he needs to win. Uh, they didn't get on this second half run to fuck it up and lose to a pretty dysfunctional Browns team at this point in the season. The Browns haven't gotten their offense on track at all since Deshaun Watson came into the situation. Steelers have been, I feel like, winning 16 to 13 games literally all season. I don't think it stops now. So I'll lay the two and a half. Don't love it. But at the end of the day, I'm not worried about the number. I think Tomlin wins games uh, when he needs to win them. And so I'll take Pittsburgh. This is going to be one of these quick picks here. Don't plan on betting this game. Don't plan on watching it. The Bucks head to the Falcons. Falcons are minus four, minus four and a half on some books, over under 40 and a half here. Um, the Falcons are eliminated and the Bucks don't need to play anyone. They're locked into that four seed. Conflicting reports, you know, the Bucks coaching staff is saying they're going to play their starters, but this spread indicates otherwise, and Vegas usually knows. I'm hearing more and more that Kyle Trask, the third string, quarterback will be activated for the uh, Buccaneers and that he could possibly see subs substantial snaps in the second half of that game with again the Bucs having literally nothing to play for this week they're already getting a home playoff game they're most likely going to be playing um, the second place team of the NFC East don't want to say a name out there to get ahead of myself knock on wood again in this episode I, I don't really have anything I guess I'm laying the four here take it Atlanta to like want to win to end their season on a positive note at home versus the backups of the Buccaneers. Maybe Kyle Trask really sucks and maybe he plays a lot in this game. So give me Atlanta minus four, but I'm not even going to really watch this one, let alone bet it. Another one o'clock divisional matchup here. We have the Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are home favorites by, I'm seeing half the books on bet stamp at seven, half the books on seven and a half. So 
super key number. We're not talking about, you know, a difference between 12 and 12 and a half here. We're talking about the touchdown line there. So that's another crucial one. 43 and a half is the total. I'm seeing a cash split, a little bit of sharp money on New England here as well on DraftKings. 43% of the bets, 40, excuse me, 34% of the bets, 45% of the money on the spread, New England plus seven and a half. I'm also seeing 13% of the bets, but 31% of the money on the money line for New England. That said, I, you know, I don't really care. I'm definitely not taking them on the money line. I don't see that happening here. And, you know, I'm not really that afraid of the number. Now, I guess I am that afraid of the number. It doesn't feel great laying the seven and a half, but I'm going to pick Buffalo here. Um, it's like, okay, do they get extra charge and motivation from the emotional situation of DeMar Hamlin, or is it a distraction for them all week? Maybe can be a little bit of both, I'd say. But, you know, at the end of the day, the Patriots' offense is so dysfunctional. I'm tired of seeing Mac Jones yell at his offensive coaching staff on the sideline. Buffalo's at home, and I'll lean into the tragic magic there. I think that they will be motivated. I think that maybe they're a little pissed off that they're, you know, probably not getting the one seed, and maybe they take out some frustrations on New England this week. I know that um, the Bills really love beating the shit out of the Patriots when they can because of that you know 20 year run of dominance and this to me looks like a situation where they have the opportunity to do that so i'll lean into it uh give me the bills uh minus the seven seven and a half again grab a seven if you can like that's a massive deal laying that hook there so uh grab the seven if you can but i'll lay the number with buffalo One o'clock divisional battle between two teams that have been eliminated from playoff contention. We have the Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are minus three and a half on the opening number. I have seen some threes out there, but it is fluctuating quite a bit uh, this week. Over under 41 and a half. I'm seeing one of the biggest cash splits in terms of spread action on the books this week. DraftKings Sportsbooks has 46% of the bets, but 69% of the cash on New Orleans minus three and a half. I am all over that. Love this play. If I didn't have the Saints money line tied up in a future on this over seven and a half regular season wins, I would be betting this. This is a spot that looks absolutely tasty to me this Sunday. The Panthers blowing a late lead to the Bucks last week. I mean, that was it had to be a deflating loss um, f- to eliminate them from the playoffs. The Saints, on the other hand, have won two in a row. Their defense has really woken up over the second half. Not second half, but really the last couple of weeks here in this late season push. I think they're a team that's disappointed with their performance uh, during the you know, early to mid parts of this season. And Dennis Allen is a coach that's going to be looking to win another game here to, you know, build some momentum for next year. They're at home. It's going to be a hostile environment. Sam Darnold on the road in the New Orleans Superdome. There's no way I'm taking him with maybe any amount of points. Um, I'm also seeing a split on the over here. 53% of the bets, 68% of the money is on over 41 and a half in this one. We have seen the Panthers having some surprisingly high scoring games recently. And uh, the Saints are a team that can put up points. I think they are getting rookie receiver Chris Olave back and healthy this weekend again. And I think their offense is actually performing a little bit better recently ever since they decided to actually give Taysom Hill 10 to 15 touches a week. So I'm all over the Saints and the number here. Love that pick. I'll probably have that as one of my uh, top three spread picks of the week on Sunday. 
Jets, Dolphins, 1 o'clock, another divisional battle. Uh, Dolphins, like I said, this number has moved more than any number this week, to the best of my knowledge. After the quarterback news, we got Skylar Thompson versus Joe Flacco. You'd think that you would side with the veteran and former Super Bowl champion, Joe Flacco. I guess I'm doing what the books are doing here, and I'm going to go with Miami. I think Miami figures out a way to get it done. They've lost five in a row, but... I don't know. I want to trust McDaniel to be able to scheme something up for this young Skylar Thompson kid. It's tough to really put your money behind him, but um, like I said, I need the Dolphins to win this one to hit my AFC East first and second place bet. And I'm going to trust the number. Like I said, this has moved from plus two to minus three over the course of the last day or so. And, And that kind of line movement doesn't happen by accident. Don't have much more of a handicap here. Maybe McDaniel decides to stick to the running game a little bit more. Maybe playing with a backup quarterback forces him to get away from like calling a, a fucking go route to Tyreek Hill every two plays because that's kind of been their downfall recently. Um, I am seeing a big cash split on this under here. It's uh, 38% of the bets, 62% of the money at under 38. I've already seen this line drop down to 37.5 on some books. So um, I'll lean into the under if I'm giving out anything there. And, you know, I don't love laying three points here, especially in a game that could be that low scoring. But, uh, yeah, I guess um, I'm going to trust Mike McDaniel to get it done, pull out the win here. And if I have to pick the spread, I'll lay the three, but don't love it. Next up, we got the Ravens heading to Cincinnati. This line has moved quite a bit, opening at 6.5 earlier this week. I'm seeing 9.5 out there, over under 39.5. The Bengals are almost a 10-point favorite here at home. I think a majority of this line movement is due to the quarterback situation in Baltimore. It's already been reported, uh, Lamar Jackson not playing, and now their second-string quarterback, Tyler Huntley, also questionable. Um, It's... I don't know if likely is the word, but like there's a very realistic chance that we see um, Anthony Brown, third string quarterback, play this game for the the Ravens if Huntley can't go. And uh, that's concerning. I have to take Cincinnati here. Um, The numbers gotten a bit out of control, but if I, I don't see Baltimore being able to score much, even if Huntley plays, their offense has been horrible. Um, They just have no talent at outside receiver right now. Deshaun Jackson and Demarcus Robinson are the two, like, biggest threats for this team. Mark Andrews is clearly not 100% healthy. He's been inconsistent and banged up all season. Uh, Their defense is playing better over this second-half stretch here, but Cincinnati is a team that's going to be well-rested, really only playing less than, what, a quarter of football on Monday night, and... A team that, again, maybe a bit of a chip on their shoulder this week after being slighted an opportunity to advance in the AFC uh, playoff standings. So I will lean into uh, laying the number here, minus 9.5 with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Joe Burrow, another one of those guys that you just feel like when he needs when he needs something, he gets it. You know, it's just I'm really starting to blindly believe in Joe Burrow. Um, I think you kind of have to based on what he's done the last two years. One o'clock Sunday, another quick pick here. We got the Vikings at Chicago. I'm seeing Chicago as eight-point underdogs. This line was seven and a half earlier this afternoon. I think it is getting up to eight on most books. Over under 43 and a half. How can you pick the Bears here to cover any sort of number? 
their offense has been the only thing to be, you know, a little bit proud of and maybe want to bet on over the course of this season with Justin Fields. He's not playing. It's Nathan Peterman. You can't take him. You got to lay the number here. Minus seven and a half, minus eight, whatever you got to do. The Vikings uh, technically still playing with the chance of advancing their seeding. Um, they play at one o'clock, the 49ers and Eagles, the two teams that they can leapfrog along with the Cowboys do not play until 430. So the Vikings will not know if they have motivation or not. I think they play their starters. I think they beat up the bears, uh, and put Chicago out of their fucking misery this season. I just want to mention real quick before we move on from the bears. Um, I talked a lot this summer about taking the Bears to have the least amount of wins in the NFL. Uh, the Bears were going off at 12 to 1 odds back in August to have the number one pick. If the Bears lose to the Vikings and the Texans beat the Colts, that happens. The Bears can get the number one pick this weekend if the Texans beat the Colts and the Bears lose to the Vikings, which are not that crazy of a scenario. Um, last thing I'll say about this I'm seeing a 39 60 split on the under. Uh, 43 and a half for the Vikings Bears game. So I do like that. I'll probably talk myself into the under in that one. Let's just roll into the uh, Colts Texans game because we just kind of brought that up and those are correlated. This one, you know, I don't give a shit about this game, but if the Texans win, it opens up the Bears for that number one pick. So the Texans can kind of shoot themselves in the foot here if they feel like winning this game. They're playing the Colts, who are just a fucking mess. I don't know when the last time I saw a team just completely shit the bed and like underperform offseason expectations as bad as the Colts and I'd say the Broncos this year. They're both historically awful compared to how we talked about them all summer, right? Um, the Texans have a very realistic chance at winning this game. I saw this spread open at three and already dropped down to two and a half on the majority of the market here. Texans are getting some sharp money. Sam Ellinger has been named the uh, starting quarterback for the Colts. Matt Ryan's fucking done. Nick Foles almost got murdered last week by Kayvon Thibodeau, and then the fucking asshole decided to do snow angels next to him. That guy's a jackass. That's for another episode. The, I can't pick the Colts here. I'm going to take the Texans plus two and a half. I think Lovey Smith is the kind of coach that actually wants to win this game regardless of what it does. Oh, we get the first pick. We get the second pick, whatever. I mean, I think maybe they're in a position where they're comfortable saying we'll take whoever's left over between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud or... You know, if Chicago is the only threat to pass them, Chicago's not taking a quarterback after the year that Justin Fields just had. Chicago maybe gets the number one pick, still takes a defensive lineman from Alabama or Georgia, and the Texans can still have their pick of whatever quarterback they want. I, you know, I don't know if they're in tank mode for this game, and I don't see how anybody in the Colts locker room can even want to put on a, put, a pair of fucking pads at this point in the season. I, would I wouldn't even want to show up to the building or drive to the fucking parking lot if I was a Colt right now. I'd be packing my bags for the furthest island south of the Bahamas as soon as this season got over. So it's very realistic that the Texans win this game. I'm taking them plus the two and a half. You got to lean towards under 38 and a half in this gross situation. And it'll be interesting to see who ends up with that number one pick. Can't wait to start talking about the draft as we get into the offseason. Uh, but we do have to move on, so we'll go ahead and uh, pick these 425 kickoffs. 
We've got six games left to pick on this Sunday slate. We're heading down to the 425 window. We have Dallas at Washington. Washington is a six and a half point home dog. Last I checked, over unders 41 here. Um, I would not be surprised to see this line move up northwards of seven. Uh, Dallas with motivation to play. Again, if the Eagles lose and Dallas wins, they can take that divisional crown. Uh, Washington is starting Sam Howell this weekend. That's the big news. Also, Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson are both out this weekend. So it's going to be rookie fifth round pick in his rookie start without his two best running backs against the Dallas defense. I'm laying the points minus six and a half with Dallas. Uh, won't be betting on it. Don't like betting on Dallas. That's just me. Need Dallas to lose or need the Eagles to win here. Yada, yada, yada. You can't take Washington with the points here. Uh, I don't know what Sam Howell's going to look like, and it's not a good opportunity here in his first game against a, a really strong pass rush there in Dallas. Michael Parsons could be all over this kid, and he could be seeing ghosts by halftime. So that's the pick. This next one's a little bit tough to do, but I have to go with the Arizona Cardinals getting their points here in their matchup with San Francisco. San Francisco is at home. They are minus 14 as a favorite, minus 900 on the money line, over under 40 and a half. And yeah, you got to take the points with the Cardinals here. I I, uh, was pretty confident in picking them plus the six last week against the Falcons. You got to take the points here. It's J.J. Watt's last football game, guys. That whole defense is going to get up for him, and I know that the 49ers' offense is just a powerhouse, and you don't know what's going on with the Arizona Cardinals' offense and David Blau and the whole quarterback situation there. It's just you got to take the 14. Maybe they backdoor it. Maybe they fucking outright upset them. I mean, I am seeing Arizona getting only 10% of the bets on the money line, but 33% of the money. So somebody's out there betting on the Cardinals to win this game. Uh, crazier things have happened, guys. Really, crazier things have happened. Uh, maybe, you know, an inexperienced quarterback in Brock Purdy's looking ahead to the playoffs next week, and, you know, they get caught with their past, pants down. Again, it's really just you're on the J.J. Watt retirement tour. You're taking whatever points you're getting with Arizona, and you're not overthinking it. Next, we got the Eagles and Giants, guys. And, um, you know, it's a big number. It's 14. I get it. Uh, We don't know how much who on the Giants is going to be playing. But I have confidence that Jalen Hurts will be playing this weekend. The Eagles need this one to lock up that one seed and get a week off. They do need to rest. They're not the most healthy they've been all season here. Getting another week off for Hurts would be great, although I think he's going to be able to play this week. Getting him that extra week. With how much he runs and how much contact he takes, would love to get an extra week of rest. Also got key guys like Robert Quinn, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and Lane Johnson all recovering from injuries right now. Lane Johnson opting to play through an abdominal tear throughout the playoffs here. So we need that first round by. I think we get it. I don't think we fuck around. You know, picking the 14, it's tough. I say we cover it. I don't think Daniel Jones plays in the second half at all. Um... I think that the Eagles will be able to run the ball all day on this team. Haven't looked at Miles Sanders' rushing prop yet, but that's one you could talk me into this Sunday. I think we feature the ground game. Um, We dominated this team on the ground earlier this season. I think we can do it again. It's at home in a hostile environment here against a Giants team with nothing really to play for. I think our defense takes over at some point, especially if Tyrod's playing a majority of that second half. 
Um, I'll lay the 14 here. Th- these two 14-point spreads, one of the dogs is going to cover. I'm taking the Cardinals to get that, and I'm taking the Giants to fade away. We got the Chargers and the Broncos here in this 425 kickoff. We got the Broncos favored by two and a half, I'm seeing. Although I believe they opened as a three-point dog. I want to say this line shifted. I hope I'm not getting that wrong. But I actually had Denver as a three-point dog here. And I think with more and more of the news of the fact that uh, Baltimore probably not going to challenge Cincy in that 1 o'clock window means that the Chargers don't have to play their starters at 430. Uh, I think that's shifted this line. Um, I'm seeing a massive cash split. Denver getting 23% of the bets, but 59% of the money on their spread at DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's see what they have the number at right now. Sorry, guys. One second here. DraftKings has Denver minus two and a half. So that's where I'm seeing that split. Uh, again, 23% of the bets, but 59% of the money. I'm also seeing them getting 19% of the money line bets, but 31% of the money line dollars. So I guess I'm picking Denver here based on the Chargers' lack of motivation, but uh, I have a, a no Denver rule right now. I, you don't bet on Russell Wilson. You don't bet on the Broncos. You just don't fucking do it. I, I don't want to sit here and tell you guys not to bet every single pick on the board. That's not what I'm here for. Don't want to be a pussy and sit on the fence. I'll give you the pick, but I'm just telling you my money's not going on it. Denver has burnt me almost every time I've picked them this year. I think them. Uh, I think they've got the worst. Uh, I think they've got the worst against the spread record in the league. I think they were tied with the Bucks, but I think the Bucks covered last week. So just fuck Denver. You're not betting on them, even though the cash splits and the uh, sharp money would indicate that Denver may be a little bit more to play for this Sunday. Last 425 kickoff, we have the Rams at the Seahawks. The Seahawks are minus six over under 41 and a half. I'm seeing a little bit of sharp cash coming in on the Rams here, actually. Uh, 56% of the spread bets, but 65% of the dollars. Not a huge split, but on the money line, 28% of the bets, 54% of the dollars. Not sure how you explain that, but... I'll lean into that. You know, I, I, I ping-ponged on this one a bit myself. I saw the line opened at 6.5, and, and it has been bet down a half point. Again, I just told you about the cash splits. I'll, I'll, I guess I'll take the Rams with the six points here. I, but I took the Rams plus 6.5 against the Chargers last week and got absolutely burned by it. So I can't do that to myself again this Sunday. Um, I like to think that Pete Carroll is able to handle business and get a win that they need here. Again, if Seattle loses this game, they're eliminated from playoff contention. If they win, they need a Packers loss. Um, God, it's tough to pick against that with the way that the Rams are just so banged up right now. But um, just maybe the Rams want to finish the season strong. I know Baker's playing for his kind of career right now. It's really just the same uh, reasoning that I used to talk myself into the Rams last week. Um, six points, divisional matchup, nothing to lose. I guess I'll take it. Don't love it. But again, sharp cash and, and the uh, cash split ratios here. I, I'll lean with that um, as a kind of a tiebreaker to balance out you know, where my gut and my head are. Sunday night, 8-20, last game of the regular season. We have the frisky Detroit Lions at 8-8 eight eight, taking on the Packers, also 8-8. Eight eight. If the Packers win, they are in. The Lions can get in if they win this game and the Seahawks lose to the Rams. That's what we got going on here. Packers are minus four and a half. I saw this line open at three and a half. I want to say 
It's been bet up an entire point this week, over under 49 and a half. I think Green Bay will be a relatively public side in this spot, regardless of uh, Detroit's ability to clinch a playoff berth. Um, and I want to talk myself into Detroit plus four and a half, but I can't. I really can't do it. I got to take the Packers here. You just, I, I definitely think that they win the game. It's just a matter of if they cover the number. You know, you can't pick Detroit in this situation on the road in a, basically a playoff game where this is, you know, a team that's never had to deal with anything like this before. Uh, coaching advantage. I mean, I love Dan Campbell, but again, experience-wise, Matt LaFleur's been in the playoffs a couple of years in a row now where this is all new for Dan Campbell and, and their team, which, again, their team is building something here. Like, the Packers kind of been here, done that. You know, the Lions, to be honest, they might even be a plan a year ahead of schedule right now on this rebuild, the way that they've really um, gotten hot over the second half of this season. Uh, I know that... Really, at the end of the day, where it is for me, as far as a gut call on this game, Jared Goff on the road in cold weather. That's where I'm at, and that's where I'm staying. Uh, Jared Goff this year has played in an outdoor venue in below freezing temperatures four times. He's 0-4, straight up and against the spread. I, you know, I don't remember if that's this year or throughout his career. I'm sorry about that, guys, but I know for a fact he is 0-4 against the spread. Uh, on the road in below freezing temperatures. This is a dome team that's got to play in Lambeau in below freezing on Sunday night. And it's, again, the Packers and Rodgers, the experience factor, the been there, done that, the leadership, the intangibles. I'm sorry, Detroit. Hell of a season. Can't pick you here. Think Green Bay gets it done. Think we see Rodgers and Brady in the playoffs despite all of the drama and all of the wondering and the doubting and the when are they going to turn it around. I mean, you can make the argument the Bucks still haven't turned it around, but the Packers here with the chance to win five in a row and, and control their own destiny, it's pretty amazing when you hop in a time machine and go back to October, isn't it? It's been a wild ride. This is a fun season. It's been a stressful season at times. Um, we've had big Sundays. We've had horrible Sundays. But this is where we're at. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Hope you guys find some of this stuff useful. Um, hope you can make some money off it. Hope you have been making some money off this shit. Uh, please follow along Saturday and Sunday for all the final picks on the Instagram at SGRpod. Please download BetStamp and use my referral code JosephB. And again, DM me on Instagram. I can get you guys hooked up uh, with some uh, exclusive sign-on bonuses there through my BetStamp partnership. So I would appreciate that. Appreciate you guys anyways, regardless. Thank you for listening. Good luck in week 18. Good luck in the playoffs. I will see you next week and ramble on.